0: Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined, as always, by Andy Anders, and also joined today by Kyle Jones, our X's and O's expert at Eleven Warriors, who has the honor of being our first guest here on Real Pod Wednesdays since we have started publishing live to video. Kyle, you've been on the show a few times before. Now everybody gets to see uh, your lovely face. It's great to have you here.
1: Why? Thank you. I, I, that's. I really appreciate the compliment. It's uh, an honor to be here from a video perspective i uh am getting my hair cut after this just to really make sure that i present my best self so didn't even shave feel prepared i'm ready to go
0: Well, Kyle, we wanted to have you on this week because the big thing we're going to be talking about this week is Ohio State's offensive coordinator change that happened on Friday as Bill O'Brien left Ohio State for Boston College. And just hours later, Chip Kelly became Ohio State's new offensive coordinator. So let's start with a hard-hitting question, Kyle. What was your favorite moment of the Bill O'Brien era at Ohio State?
1: Uh, most people are going to say the Julian saying flip, but I'm, I'm going to actually say it was watching all the veteran Penn state players have to like turn coat and say, I'm going to root for Ohio state now. And then all the Ohio state fans realizing, Oh, right. They think it's a rivalry, right? That that's like, and then that discussion that prompted of like, why are they upset? Like we're just another big 10 team, but you know. The the weird one-sided rivalry that is Penn State and Ohio State, I I think making sure that we all remembered that was probably the highlight for me.
0: On a more serious note, (laughs) what do you think of this Chip Kelly hire and what he's going to bring to Ohio State's offense?
1: Yeah, I I think the the big difference, and I know we're going to get into the, the difference between the two, but I think this hire really speaks to what is Ryan Day looking for In this hire. Right. And I I think, you know, coming out of the last two Michigan games, things that I've written, Ramsey's written, many people have written, I think, about the need to delegate. Right. And the need to not do four jobs at once, if you will, of quarterback, you know, quarterback, coach, offensive play caller, head coach, game manager, personnel manager. Um, and I think when you look at the offseason that Ohio State had and the way that they've accrued talent, it's, it's evident that that's a place, you know, from a personnel perspective that Ryan Day needs to spend his time. He's the only one that can really do that on the staff, right? He's, he's really got to be the one leaning in there. And this is a way for him to quickly have someone he trusts in that seat. Right, he's as good of a play caller and offensive mind as you're going to find in uh, in college football. Despite the results of last season, um, you know what they tried to do in their weekly game plans was still at an extremely high level. They just didn't execute all the time, right? Especially at the quarterback position, but also elsewhere. You know, at offensive line, of course. Um, but you know, the mind and the that Ryan Day has from an offensive perspective is as good as you're going to get. So you're not going to get somebody who's necessarily going to bring something different or or you're not necessarily wanting to get, bring someone different. You're wanting to bring someone to kind of allow that to continue. And that's really what Chip Kelly does. It's continuity with what Ohio state's been doing. And that's the difference between him and Bill O'Brien, whereas Bill O'Brien was, he's going to come in and, and probably bring something different to the offense. He's going to bring more drop back passing. He's going to bring more of an RPO game. Cause that's what he was doing at Alabama. Um, you know, he hasn't historically succeeded with running quarterbacks. You know, Bryce Young wasn't running zone reads at Alabama. You know, Deshaun Watson did a little bit when he, they, he was at the Texans, but it was much more three-step quick passing, you know, West coast style stuff. And that's, that's different stylistically from what Ryan day has done. Chip, Chip's offense, like you watch the US, UCLA tape, which I've been doing a lot lately. It's hard not to see how similar these are philosophically. Like they, It's so evident. And I would love, you know, you guys have heard it. A lot of the folks who've, who've ever heard Ryan Day talk at clinics, it's, he loves the bucket principles and all that. Like I would bet you any money that Chip Kelly also buckets his principles and they're bucketed pretty darn similarly. Um, when you watch how, just how, how close there is philosophically uh, those two are. And so, what, what Chip brings is a level of instant trust that they can delegate and walk away and say, I know it's in good hands. Kyle,
2: I know our initial reaction to this was that, you know, it was an upgrade over Bill O'Brien. Do you see that? And uh, what, I, I guess, how, how do you compare the, I mean, obviously schematically there's key differences, but how do you compare the two um, as coordinators?
1: Yeah, it's hard. I, I think upgrade is very much in the eye of the beholder because again, what i just said about it's it's clearly we're not throwing out the old offense with the chip kelly hire with the bill o'brien hire it's an element of what can we bring that's different right it it is much more quarterback centric um you know he is a a quarterback guy he's worked with a lot of great quarterbacks from brady to you know, he got the best out of Christian Hackenberg, right? <laughs> All those years ago, he made Deshaun Watson look amazing in Houston. He got the most out of Bryce Young. You know, I think it was just this last year with the Pats. Sorry, Dan, that, you know, it was the first year that he really had a quarterback that didn't, you know, perform up to expectations or or above. And so he's a quarterback guy, more traditional pro style drop back games. And that was a different that's a different aspect than Ohio State had this past year. Right. Of somebody who can bring new elements to the offense chips is I'm going to take what we're doing and or what's already been been done in Columbus and make it better. Now, I know we're going to get into the run game because that's really, I think, where you're going to see the differences between. Chip versus Day and and what that looks like and 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 how they've kind of veered off in the years since they've stopped working together. Um, but I, I think from an upgrade perception, it's it's hard to say because, you know, they bring different things. Although I go back to this idea of trust. And at the end of the day, this hire was meant to be someone that they could just hand off elements of of his workload to, to someone he trusts and make sure it's still done at a high level. And in that perspective, yes. The Chip Kelly hire is an upgrade over Bill Bill O'Brien because there's so much trust that's already there between those two, going back a quarter century to you know the University of New Hampshire.
0: I know that you know one concern that some people have had is Chip's lack of experience coaching quarterbacks because he was named for quarterback coach, but if you look back at his history, he doesn't have much experience with actually hands on coaching quarterbacks. Do you think that's something that people should be concerned about? Yeah,
1: yes and no. I, I think there's an element of the the Jim Trestle, you know, comparison that people like to make um, with, you know, if you think about the Trestle era, there was Joe Daniels who was really who was the offensive coordinator during the Trestle era, right? And this is going back 20 years. And Joe Daniels was a great quarterback coach. Jim Trussell was also the quarterback coach, even when they were, you know, Joe Daniels was healthy and doing great work. Jim Trussell was intimately involved with the quarterback. And I think at every successful, you know, or not every, but most successful teams that, you know, across different levels, the head coach and the quarterback still work very closely together. So I think the expectation that Ryan Day as a quarterback kind of guru himself would not be involved intimately with the quarterback, regardless of who the coaches were. Is a little bit naive because I think he's going to be there. He's going to have a very close relationship with those quarterbacks. Um, you know, maybe he's not fully you know doing all the drills day to day or anything like that, or, or owning every single meeting with them. But I, I think what it really allows is, as I mentioned, there's four jobs that Ryan Days basically had to do. You know, seemingly of, of QB coach, OC, head coach in the game, and you know, personnel guy. If Chip just takes on the OC pull part, because that's probably the most time consuming, um, that allows Ryan Day to then say, like, great, I'm going to work with my quarterback. Great. that That's one big thing off of his plate every day that he doesn't have to necessarily be in charge of the game plan and running all the offensive meetings and all those things. So I don't think it's as as cut and dry as like Chip coaches quarterbacks. Ryan Day doesn't. I, I think that that's probably not what we're going to see. That said, I think it is fair to question and, and wonder, you know, is this something because Chip's quarterbacks have not been the passers that Ryan Day's quarterbacks have been, right? There's, there is no C.J. Stroud in Chip Kelly's tree. You know, Marcus Mariota, you can kind of argue, but, you know, that was after he left and there was Mark Helfrich and, you know, he's had, you know, questionable success at the next level. Um, but there is no C.J. Stroud. And that's, that's something where you look at and you hear CJ talk, right? He gives so much credit to the, to the training he got from Ryan day. And I think that's something that you don't want to necessarily give up on if you don't have to.
2: Yeah, you know, you, you referenced it earlier, but I think the one of the main things that stands out about this hire is, of course, what it's going to do for the run game and what Chip Kelly's success has been in that area in the past. And when you look at, you know, what this team has in terms of Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins, I mean, it, just what can fans expect from this Chip Kelly run scheme and what schematically does he do so well?
1: Yeah, so it's not necessarily the Michigan style in that Michigan had, you know. 12, 15 different run concepts like that was that was the way that they did it was we're gonna have a million different ways of running the football chips more I'm gonna have five but he's gonna dress them all up so differently Uh, very similar to the way that Ryan Day does in the passing game where yeah you know you're gonna get Y cross you're gonna get mesh you're gonna get handful of these same concepts every week, but he's going to disguise them and cover it up so that you don't know when you're getting it. And the way we ran it last week looks nothing like the way we're running it this week. And Chip does that really well in the run game. Um, he uses a lot of unbalanced sets. He uses a lot of crazy formations. You know, I've got a film study coming up soon where probably every single game, he almost inserts like a new formation. And you see these kind of crazy alignments with guys all over the place, you know, un super unbalanced, like an eye formation, but it's behind the tight end, like all kinds of weird stuff that he would do just to mess with the defense. But once the ball snaps, they're still running outside zone. Like that's it. Like they're doing a lot of stuff to really create, you know, uh, you know, bad judgment, you know, to really test the eye discipline of the defenders so that they're looking one way and the ball's going the other. Creating the that misdirection um with all kinds of eye candy and and doing that well in the run game, which I think will be a really nice compliment to what day has done for so long in the past game the run game has not had that element of disguise necessarily you know i think we've all been able to say like oh they're running running stretch into the boundary again here it comes like we we can all kind of see it and chip's really good about saying like hey if you're gonna you know overload it away from the back in the shotgun for instance and this is actually what got him in trouble in philadelphia and it shows his growth you know the eagles were so good his first two years in philadelphia and then everyone figured out well just load up the opposite side of the running back because they run out of the shotgun every play and the, the running back's got to go that way. And so now Chip says like great if you're going to do that, I'm going to figure out a way to run to the side of the running back. And I'm going to change up a couple, I'm going to change the back's footwork, but I'm not going to change anybody else's. I'm going to figure out how to change the way that the handoff works, but my line's still going to block the same. So everybody else can do their job really easily. And and you know, it's just those types of things that again, philosophically, it's so similar to what day has done for years in the past game, but just applying it to a different phase of the offense.
0: Are there any key differences you see just in the way that like they call plays their play calling strategy?
1: Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I, I think chip is much more willing to kind of hammer you with a play in the sense of like, you know, there's a, a bunch of times on tape where you'd see them pl- run the exact same play, two plays in a row. Cause he'll, he'll do a lot of like, oh, man, you did. You guys didn't come close to stopping that. I'm just going to keep pressing the button until you figure out how to stop it. You know, like a little bit of that Madden, kind of like, you don't know what you're doing here and I'm going to keep doing it until you stop it. Day, Ryan Day doesn't do that very much. You know, he's very much like, great, that worked. Put it in my back pocket. Remember it for when I really need it. Then we can, you know, run that again later or run the the counter off of it. Chip's a little bit more blunt in that sense. Um, You know, he's just going to hit you with it over the head. Um, But that said, I I think... Beyond that, it's pretty similar. Like you can see the way that they package up, you know, concepts so that every run's got a, a screen and every run's got a, a play action and everyone's got a drop back out of everything. So that like there is that element of hey, we're gonna have a lot of things that look similar before the snap, and then we're gonna you know really test the defense to get them out of out of uh, phase, if you will. So
2: I, obviously, you know, and you've touched on this a little bit, but, you know, Chip Kelly had a, a huge influence on Ryan Day throughout his coaching career early on at New Hampshire even, and then, you know, within the NFL, just how much influence do you see on the scheme Ryan Day has evolved coming from Chip Kelly?
1: Yeah, I mean, the out, the zone blocking is really the piece that, that you can tie back to it is, is Chip's been a zone run guy for years. Right. You know, I think those Oregon teams, he used to tell people, you know, back when he was at Oregon, it's it's in a UPS commercial. I was looking it up. I forgot about this, but there was like a he was in a UPS commercial probably 10 years ago. It was all about logistics. And he says in the commercial, we have four run plays, inside zone, outside zone, counter and draw. And like he told everybody, like those are our four run plays. And guess what? It's kind of what Ryan Day's offense is too. <laughs> like you can kind of see a lot of that similarity. You know, you see the Y cross, the spread, you know, which they call spread, um, you know, the mesh concept. Like a lot of those pass plays and the basics and the foundational like structure of the offense is so similar. Uh, I think what's different is Dave figured out a little bit better, especially with, with Stroud, is when you saw it, but also with Haskins. How do I succeed without a running quarterback? And obviously that crept up a little bit in the red zone. It was like, how do we, how do we physically, you know, handle somebody? Chip's got more answers for that. Ironically, he's, he's better at figuring out how do I draw up a scheme that doesn't put my quarterback in harm's way and still moves the ball in short yardage, which I think will be a welcome addition to the Ohio state offense. But I think Dave figured out in general, how do I succeed without just having to have a running threat at quarterback at all times? Right. That's obviously probably when the offense has a system is at its best. Is when he's got that option at his disposal, and I think Will Howard gives him enough of that to to really test and, and hold defenders accountable. But you know, similarity from a structure wise, again, you turn on the tape, you just see how similar these guys are. Like you, you can tell that there's, you know, that that same DNA in the way that they operate.
0: I know when you know word was starting to leak out that Corey Dennis probably wasn't going to be back and that Ohio State was going to hire a new offensive coordinator. But, you know, One of the things you said is you felt like Ohio State should hire someone with that NFL background. It's obvious from the two hires that Ryan Day made that that was something he was looking for too. Why do you think that NFL background is important for this role?
1: Well, I think that there's there's two reasons why. One is there's just an element of trust in the sense of like the NFL, you get you spend so much more time scheming things up, right? And and you spend so much more time actually coaching. You're not spending any time driving, you know, through the middle of nowhere in a rental car to so you can go to a high school basketball game. You know, like you there's just a level of additional experience that comes from that NFL background. And so I think the idea of like, hey, you know, like Brian Hartline's a great up and coming coach. He's done great work thus far. But like, you need somebody who's been through and seen so much stuff, right? Because it was part of the the the, the trust that you can say like, hey, they're throwing nothing but bare fronts at people, when we're trying to run outside zone. What do we do against it? You just want someone with answers. You want someone who says like, yep, I've seen that. I know it. there's four different ways I can drop on the board right now to beat it. And that that's one piece. I think the other piece. Is And this is like a much larger philosophical question. 10 years ago, I think everybody would have told you like the more exciting scheme stuff in the sport is happening at the lower levels. It's happening in high school. It's happening in college. That is absolutely not true anymore. It is happening at the NFL level. The NFL scheme wise is so far ahead of what anybody's doing high school and college. Um, And it's because the internet has kind of allowed people to, you know, Andy Reid talks about it. He's like, you know, I see these Crazy like plays that somebody drew up in D three football, and I figure out how do I apply it with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like, you know, he's got the best tools, and now he has the best information. And so, anybody who's working in the NFL has to be able to adapt so quickly. And I think you see that when you get to the CFP, right? You see the matchup of you know an, a Ryan Day offense versus a Kirby Smart defense. You see you know, the, the Harbaugh offense versus a Saban defense, right? Like those, that that's the point where anybody who tells you, it's like, who's got more five stars and you know, blah, 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 blah. Like the recruiting stars are what, what makes them at? No, the recruiting stars what get you there. You need to be able to out scheme and then be able to essentially coach your way through the playoff. And that's, that's the difference is talent gets you to the, to the table, but you're not going to necessarily win unless you've got that, you know, super, super high level X's and O's. I think Georgia was a great example of that with Todd Munkin, with Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning. Like, they were incredible for a short period of time there. And they still are, but they had a little bit of brain drain. And you can see what that that does. They still had the talent, but they, they couldn't even make the playoff this year. You mentioned Will
2: Howard a, a little bit ago. Uh, you had a great film study here recently talking about the way in which, uh, you know, he can, open things up on the ground for Ohio state and, and how his time at Kansas state prepared him for this opportunity. Could you, could you sum that up for people who maybe have a, had a chance to see that?
1: Yeah, he's, he's got a really nice background in the sense that Kansas state probably does more schematically than, than people realize. Um, you know, they do a really interesting job of, of, you know, disguising their intentions, you know, very similarly to what we talked about with chip and, and day, um, they run out of some interesting personnel groups, but they do a good job of, of teaching concepts versus teaching plays. If you know what I mean? So like, I know how, you know, he knows what the read is and every week they can change up, you know, which receivers wanting, running which route or, or which formation they're running it from. But you know, he's so confident in the concept itself that he's able to adapt that quickly. And that allows you to execute and change up what you're doing week to week. Right. Um, and give you that schematic edge. So, he worked. He played in a, in a very complex system, a relatively complex system for college. Um, it was very progression based in the passing game, meaning, you know, Bill O'Brien's offense was very much like, hey, it looks like cover two, so that means look to the left side where we've got a cover two beater, and then find that cornerback, and then just quickly drop back, make your throw. There's no right or wrong. They're both they both have pluses and minuses. Whereas a progression system is like, I'm going to read the whole field left to right or deep to short or something like that. That's much more of what Ryan Day's offense is progression-based, and that's what Kansas State did a lot more of. So a lot of similar concepts, a lot of you know, reading defenses the same way. And then, of course, the run game is very similar. Um, similar, I should say, to what you saw with Justin Fields, what you saw with JT Barrett in 2017 when Ryan Day was, was in Columbus, right? So you know, able to incorporate some of those run game wrinkles that allow the quarterback to be a physical downhill runner. Um, I mean, he's huge. So that allows you to say, you know, run. A, it, it, I think it's going to look a lot like the JT Barrett offense in short yardage. You know, maybe they don't run in that much outside of short yardage or inside the the ten or twenty. But when you get in those those situations, you're going to see, hey, great, let's just run power read, and we're going to have Travion Henderson on a sweep. And we're going to read the defensive end and that defensive end's going to have to decide, do I try to keep up with Trevion Henderson on a sweep or do I try to tackle this 6'5", 240-pound you know, quarterback who's running straight downhill at me? That's not a fun place to be as a defensive end. So when you can put those guys in conflict like that, that's far superior than, hey, Kyle McCord's going to turn around and hand it off one more time. You know, It's just a different look that I think this offense can easily take advantage of.
0: I am curious what it was going through Will Howard's mind when this all played out because when he talked to us a couple of weeks ago, he had said he was excited about playing in an offense where he was going to drop back and pass more and run, run the ball less. And now he's got a new offensive coordinator who has a big history of running quarterbacks. But with that being said, I would think when you think, you know, about what Will Howard has been as a college quarterback and what Chip Kelly has been as an offensive play car, I would think this is a more natural talent. A more natural mesh of talent versus what it might have been with Bill O'Brien, who's you know best known for working with Tom Brady. Would would you agree with that?
1: Yes, I think they're going to meet in the middle. Um, I think you know if if Chip Kelly had stayed at UCLA and Will Howard went to UCLA this this winter, we would have all said like, wow, what a seamless fit, right? You know, it's it's, it's a great fit, great upgrade for for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. But I think what you know, Will Her- Howard probably has sold as much on Ryan Day than anything, right? I think he, because I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he committed to Ohio State before Bill O'Brien was on board. So I think this was very much a Will How- Howard was coming to Columbus to play for Ryan Day, not necessarily to play for Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly or anybody else, right? And so I think that's probably the selling point. And I think you bring up a good point of, I don't think this is the Chip Kelly offense. Like, I think we're gonna have to get very clear about this. This is Ryan day's offense, right? (laughs) Like you're going to see some chip. You, you see a ton of chip Kelly influence already in that offense, but this will not stop being the Ryan day offense. And that's the nice part about this hire is that for chip to run Ryan's offense, it's not that big of a jump. And I think like that, that's what makes it such a good fit is there's so much overlap already that while there are some differences run versus pass game, you know, quarterback run game versus drop back, yada. Yada there's so much overlap already that it can still stay the offense that we saw, you know, light up scoreboards for so many years until really this season you
2: know not to dwell too much on the quarterback run game, I guess, but I do want to circle back to a point you made here about uh, the short yardage and red zone in particular. But I think you look at some of the inconsistencies Ohio states had at times the last few seasons in the red zone, and you think back to what they were able to do with Justin Fields. And I mean, will Howard had nine rushing touchdowns last year. It just I think it, it's a really good point because the way a quarterback can equate numbers running the ball inside the twenty, Um, is a huge difference maker just for, you know, getting seven instead of three. And, um, you know, I I think maybe if you wanted to speak to that ability a little bit, because I I really think that's an important element of this.
1: Yeah, it's a much more option based offense that I think we can expect in the red zone. It's certainly what Fields did so well of, you know, very simple zone reads, even just simple reliefs, meaning I'm going to have a zone read with a wide receiver screen. So it's really triple option football. Right, like that's what chip's done so well is play option football going back to the Oregon days, you know, but he still did it last year in UCLA for as much as he's evolved and diversified from just doing that. He'll still run it when he needs to. I think that's one of the brilliant things about him watching the tape. I, I would turn it on expecting to see much more, you know, heavy personnel punch you in the mouth football all the time. And he'll do it. Like, you know, the USC game, Alex Grinch didn't put in any goal, any different goal line personnel when they got near the goal line, great defensive coordinator that he is. And so what okay. did Chip Kelly do? He ran the old school T formation and he put in two tight ends and three running backs, put them all within and absolutely punched them in the mouth, running off tackle. Like he's happy to do that. But then he also had, you know, opponents, that would, you know, play him different totally different styles in the red zone. They they'd put in heavier. They play nickel, you know, personnel outside the 20 and as soon as they got inside the red zone, they'd put in a bigger player, right? And try to stop that run. So what does he do? He says, "Great, I'm going to go four wide. I'm going to run an inside zone read and I'm just going to read that defensive end like it's 2008 all over again." And he's going to go up tempo and he's going to do all that. And th- this is all to say, yes, he has all these tools in his in his bag. And he's willing to use them all. Whereas I think what we saw a little bit with Ohio state the last couple of years was a hesitancy to lean on some certain things. Right. We, we saw the has, you know, everyone thought CJ Stroud couldn't run. It was because they didn't let him. Right. Like they didn't, (laughs) that was it. It was a hesitancy to do that this past year. It was, I have a, to prove a point that we can line up in the I formation with an extra three tackles in the game and we can pound you. Like it was not about what's the best way to get in the end zone. It was about proving a point at times. It seemed Whereas Chip Kelly doesn't seem like that's ever on his mind. His mind is, you're doing one thing, so I'm going to take advantage of that one thing.
0: Obviously, all this stuff we've talked about is great, but a lot of it's going to start with, does this offensive line play better? Chip does have a lot of background working with the offensive line. He's worked with Justin Fry before. How do you think that pairing can help turn things
1: around up front? That's the part I'm, I think is, is most exciting about this hire. Like you're going to, I really do expect to see a much, much better offensive line. And I think that you're going to see a lot of different options. You know, chip does a lot more pin and pull. So for those of you who aren't familiar, that is it's, you know, an outside zone. And if you've got, if you're covered, you're just going to block down. Like it's almost like a normal play. But if you're uncovered as a lineman, there's nobody right across from you. What we mean, you're going to pull around, right? So, you know, there's, it's a lot of movement. And if, if, you know, there's a great example that I'm going to show here in in a little bit, um, in my film study column where it's almost like a natural call where if if you, you know, are blocking outside zone, there's a great clip of a tight end, you know, there's a, a pile lining up right next to him. So instead of just joining the pile, because that's his quote unquote gap to block, he goes around behind it and turns into a lead blocker, turns into an ISO play because the way that Chip teaches outside zone is, is a little bit different. He's willing to to mess with that stuff. He's going to call trap plays where, you know, if you've got a defense, you know, a crazy aggressive nose tackle, who's just trying to jump the snap every single time. He's just going to trap you. And he's going to say, great, I'm going to use that against you. I'm not going to block you. And I'm going to let my pulling guard absolutely blow you up. Like he's, he's got many more tricks in his bag in the run game, the same way that Ryan day does in the passing game, right? Where he can run mesh from any formation, any part personnel group and still make you wrong. Chip can kind of do that with zone blocking. And I think like, that's the part where you can say, what does Ohio State gain from this? It's absolutely in that position group. So I think that's a great call out. It,
2: so i i'll well, elaborate a little more on i guess the way he teaches zone because you know but i we we my senior year of high school we actually transitioned from a gap scheme to a zone scheme as blockers um it's very tough for me i i, I did not do as well in the zone <laughs> scheme uh but you know it, it's more about blocking a spot than a person right i think that's one of the first things you learn is as, as a lineman you step left and you go get who's there and um so I
1: just in the way that Chip Kelly teaches it, maybe how does it differ from other coaches? Yeah, so I think that's a great call out is, is what you just described is how most people do it. It's how Ohio State's done it. Like, hey, we're running zone left. Okay, so I got I to gotta, gotta go left. And I might take a different step if it's inside zone versus outside zone versus mid zone, which thank God Tony Romo called that out in the, in the Super Bowl. I was so happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> there are three zone blocking schemes, everybody. Um, but I think the the difference is that Chip's not going to make him, he's not as stubborn about it. And so he's going to say, hey, if if my guard, the guy that he's going to have to block when he steps left, if that's going to be really difficult for him to block and he's not going to be able to reach and get that guy, I'm going to create an answer for him. And I'm going to say, hey, you don't have to go get that guy. Your teammate next to you, instead of him going and, you know, going three yards over to try to get to, you know, the guy he's trying to get to, you're just going to switch places. So he's going to block down and pin that, that you know guy that is across from you inside and you're just gonna go around him and so those little answers that it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of communication um i think what you saw this year in the ucla team if you watch games earlier in the season they had a lot of new starters on the offensive line and it was sloppy it looked like ohio state's offensive line did early in the season right where it was you know miscommunications guys going on you know you're seeing, you know, uh, a defensive lineman get left because both blockers decide to go up and block the running, the linebacker stuff. You know, just sloppy mistakes that come from a lack of chemistry. You saw a lot of the same thing with UCLA early in the season. You watch the bowl game for UCLA; it looks like a totally different team. You know, they're picking up stunts beautifully. Like they're handling all this stuff really, really well. They're communicating well. They're just gelling. And again, you saw a little bit of that from Ohio State. If you remember, like that drive in the second half against Michigan, where all of a sudden they're just moving Michigan back. And, you know, Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones and those guys are just, they're moving people now. That's what UCLA was able to do as well. And so I think that ability to, to build chemistry, provide answers for your players, because that's not a call you make in the huddle, right? You don't say, hey, right guard, if this guy's across from you, you're going to run a different play. It's trusting those guys to say, when they get up to the line, a guy moves over their gap and they're running outside zone. They know I'm going to make this otter call or whatever it might be. Dallas otter pin twist, whatever those two, those guys on the line, they know what to do and it's building that cohesion and chemistry and that's all coaching and that's having the answers. It's what I mentioned before of like, you've seen it, you know how to handle it and you know how to coach it. It's not just, you can draw it up on the whiteboard, but you can instill it with your players and that's what comes from having veteran coaches.
0: Well, Kyle, you've been a great first video guest for us. We always get a lot smarter when we talk to you. So we appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. I know you've got some exciting stuff coming for 11 Warriors too. I think people are going to be seeing more of you on the YouTube channel. So what, what should people look forward to seeing from you coming up?
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try some new things with film study uh, this off season. Uh, rather than just be all uh, written content with you know some video clips interspersed, we're gonna um, you know do more YouTube based stuff. Where I'm gonna be breaking down plays with a telestrator, as I was saying to Dan before. That's really hard, guys. I'll let you know. I have a lot of a lot more respect for for announcers for willing to do that live on the air, um, but going to start messing around with that breaking down a bunch of plays. We're going to start by talking about chips run game uh, here in the next week or two. we We'll Hopefully have that posted. So, so keep an eye out should be fun. And um, you know, once it's live, let me know what you think. If you hate it. Great. I can always go back to writing. Not a problem.
0: (laughs) That's going to be a lot of fun. We're certainly looking forward to that and certainly looking forward to having you on the show again. We thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. This is fun.
0: Lots of great insight there from Kyle. I certainly think that listeners are going to be excited to hear what he had to say about the offensive line and the impact that Chip Kelly could make on that front. Because we can, we can talk a lot about the, the schematics and, and certainly, you know, everything Jones said is true about how, you know, especially when you get into those big games at the end of the season. A lot of it does come down to coaching, and that's why they needed to upgrade this offensive staff. That's why they needed to add a guy like Chip Kelly to the staff. But the coaching can only go so far. You you have to, first and foremost, have the, the players out there, the, the talent to be able to win those big games. We know Ohio State has the talent, at least at the vast majority of positions. Now it's all about can these coaches get all that talent to where it needs to be. And I think, you know, you, you look at this offense. I mean, you figure, you know, Will Howard, there's a lot of good things that he can do. I mean, the, the running backs, we know they're loaded there of on Henderson, Quinn Judkins. We know they got a ton of talent at wide receiver. That big question is that offensive line and can it make that big jump from last year to this year? And, and I think, having someone like Chip Kelly with that background. I mean, I think we, we've talked about it before, but the loss of Kevin Wilson was probably a little bit underrated. And I think that was one area where it did affect them because Kevin Wilson's a guy who had a lot of background working with offensive line. He could help in that area, whether it was with Greg Stadrawa or with Justin Fry. Last year, you know, they had Justin Fry, but none of the other coaches on the staff Really had any background in terms of working with offensive linemen. And so I think to bring in someone else with that background in Ship Kelly should help them get to where they need to be up front.
2: I agree. And, you know, that was something I wanted, I was going to bring up about, you know, the Kevin Wilson departure is that he really did have a hand in. Uh, the offensive line development and the offensive line play the years that he was here uh you know I, and I think Ryan day right now at least Wednesday seemed to express some confidence that you know they are they have the pieces at, or at least could have the pieces to have a national title caliber offensive line with the what you know with everything else you have on offense uh considered you know he, he had said that right now they believe they have the pieces they need they don't need anything more in the transfer portal to go win a national championship is what he had said before and now i think that was again in the context of they're going to continue evaluating things this this spring i think you know i I had asked him specifically about tegra shibola luke montgomery i think those are the two big players to watch this spring if you're you know following the ohio state offensive line developments those and josh Pryor, because it's really about the right side right you know you have seth mclaughlin at center you have donovan jackson at left guard josh simmons is your left tackle right now uh again assuming they don't add anyone else through the portal i don't think they they will it's looking like josh is pretty set on that left tackle spot again and he made strides at the end of the last year we've talked about that before it's the right side and does Josh Fryer end up settling at guard? And I think even that could be determined by where Luke Montgomery is at, where Tegra Shabola is at, or either of those guys ready to be an Ohio state caliber starter at either guard or tackle. I think guards probably more likely in the Tegra's case tackle, more likely in Luke's case, just because that's where he's been. And, you know, for, for me personally, you know, I, Both of us, I know, we're we're kind of settled on a line that sees Fryer at right guard and Montgomery at right tackle. But, you know, this will be a very interesting spring for evaluating that.
0: Yeah, and some of that could be, too, you start introducing some of the different schematic concepts that Chip may want to emphasize more, particularly in the run game. Do the pieces fit differently in that than they would have a year ago? You know, does Fryer moving to guard make more in- sense in that system, you know, where do Luke Integra fit best in that system. And so, as we've talked about before, I think there's certainly going to be some experimentation there this spring. It's, it's going to be uh, a, an area that's a, a big focus, but I do think that Chip Kelly can help Ohio State in that regard. I, I think, you know, the, the quarterback coaching element of this is interesting too, but I I do agree with Kyle that, you know, I think no matter who the guy was going to be, Ryan was going to continue to be heavily involved with those quarterbacks. Do I think he might need to spend a little more time with the quarterbacks now than he would have with Bill O'Brien? Probably. Do I think that may have been a reason why he hired Bill O'Brien in the first place before Chip Kelly? Possibly. So, I think that's the one thing you know. We had both talked you know on our press coverage video last week that we thought uh, Chip Kelly was an upgrade over Bill O'Brien, and I I still think that. And I think the you know I think there's, there's a couple reasons why I think that. And I think one is just the amount of success that Chip has had at the collegiate level, you know, to where. You know, he, he has that NFL background like Bill O'Brien does, but, you know, he's also proven he can have, you know, truly elite offenses at the collegiate level to a greater extent than Bill O'Brien did. I mean, Bill O'Brien's two offenses at Alabama were both top 10 offenses. And so I think some of the criticism he got there was more than that which was warranted. But, you know, Chip Kelly's track record. And it's particularly impressive if you look particularly at the rushing numbers he had. At Oregon, they ranked in the top six in rushing yards per game and the top seven in rushing yards per carry in all six of his seasons at Oregon. Three of those six years, Oregon led the entire nation in yards per carry. Then he goes to the Eagles, and in his first year there, they lead the NFL in rushing yards per game rushing yards per carry. Even at UCLA, where his offenses were not quite at the same level as they were at Oregon, the rushing numbers were still really good. And in each of his last four years at UCLA, the Bruins ranked in the top 20 in rushing yards per game. In 2022, uh, UCLA led the nation again in in rushing average. So you look across the last 16 years that uh, Chip Kelly has been a lead offensive play caller or as either an offensive coordinator or head coach, he has had uh, consistently elite rushing offenses, including five that were the best in either the FBS or the NFL in that time. And so I think he's certainly going to be able to help Ohio State spark the run game, which is really where Ohio State needs the biggest spark because you look last season Ohio State was just 79th in rushing yards per attempt. There's so much focus on Kyle McCord not being as good as C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins. But when you really look at what was the biggest weakness of Ohio State's offense last year, it was the fact that Ohio State was not a particularly good team running the ball, even though it had an elite running back in Travion Henderson, the overall numbers in the run game we not great for Ohio State last
2: year. Certainly inconsistent too. You know, it, it's been a problem the last few seasons, relying on that run game to convert in short yardage situations. And again, I think with the Will Howard edition was something great to touch on and talk about how that can equate numbers in short yardage in the red zone. Uh, with Kyle, he did a great job touching on that. You know, um, running the po- football. I mean. It, I don't think it needs to be said that running the football is important, of course. Um, but what I think it allows Ohio state to do, if you can have that sustained success running the football as Chip Kelly has had, if you can, I mean, you have, best running back tandem in the country. You should have one of the best running offenses in the country. If you have that, it allows you to control the tempo of games. Not to say that Ohio State's going to slow the pace down all the time. I don't think they should. You know, definitely should still be incorporating some tempo, sugar huddles, no huddle, uh, whatever it is, keeping the pace, keeping the pressure up on your opponent. But when you get late in games, when maybe it's good to take the air out of the football, maybe you have a lead and you want to run some clock. Um, the other thing it does always is body blows, man. I always compare running the football well and punching a defense in the mouth with, you know, a body blow in boxing or, or, you know, we love MMA here. You and I do. It's, uh, or MMA, right? It's, it's taking the gas out of a defense. You know, the more times you can punch those defensive linemen with a running play and, um, hit them a little bit, you know, knock them back. It slows them down and empties the gas tank for when they then have to pursue the quarterback in the, in the passing game. Um, and it makes it easier to protect, uh, and you get start to get mistakes when guys get tired and it's a cumulative effect too of running the football. You know, Ryan Day has talked about that numerous times of you know, having to wear a defense out over the course of a game to open things up more on the ground. So running the football with consistency, it does those couple of things that I think can really elevate just how much control of the game, the Ohio state offense can take because um, they, they really, they were just, that's one thing that, you know, they were a defensive driven team last year. There were games where you know, the offense had chances to take control of games and didn't. The defense had to do it for them or they didn't make the plays when they needed to. You know, I, I think that's that element of running the football is really appealing for that reason.
0: We learned over the past week that there's such a thing as a three by one MMA match. That's probably <laughs> how Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz felt at
2: times in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> yes uh, certainly three unblocked defensive linemen right in your face as you're trying to make a pass
0: to that point about you know quarterbacks coaching too we probably should also acknowledge that you know the expectation is that Todd Fitch is going to remain with Ohio State in that uh, senior analyst role that you know, he has been in and you know Kyle Jones mentioned that CJ Stroud had talked about Ryan Day when he was on stage at NFL Honors. He also mentioned Todd Fitch. And so Todd Fitch is someone as well who, um, you know, maybe not in that, you know, hands-on coaching role, but more behind the scenes is somebody who can also kind of help the quarterbacks with with some of their development. And so I think that is um, something as well that can help in terms of, you know, the quarterback's coaching. It's not going to be all on Chip Kelly, it's going to be a collaborative effort. But I think the important thing is that when you talk about, you know, having to be the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator and the head coach, it's not all going to be on Ryan Day's plate anymore. And maybe it looks slightly different than it does with, with Chip than it did with Bill O'Brien. But either way, Ryan Day, Ohio, Ohio State lost an offensive coordinator who had been an NFL head coach, an NFL offensive play caller, a, a college head coach, a college offensive play caller, basically checked all the boxes you wanted in that position and was able to replace somebody, replace Bill O'Brien or somebody who checked all of those same boxes within hours of losing him. Now, obviously, you know, Ryan Day was able to anticipate that coming. You know, we had talked last week. He seemed pretty unconcerned about the prospect of losing Bill O'Brien he was probably pretty unconcerned because he knew that Chip Kelly was going to come to Ohio state if he lost Bill O'Brien. So he didn't really have reason to be concerned, but nevertheless, I think we both agree. Ryan day did a tremendous job here of, of adapting on the fly when something that he couldn't have anticipated when he hired Bill O'Brien, which was the Boston college job opening up. But when, that adversity hit you know Ohio State was not unprepared Ohio State was ready to go make another very qualified hire you could say overqualified hire I mean this is a guy who's leaving a big 10 head coaching job certainly taking a pay cut we don't know what his salary is yet but certainly making less money than he was making at UCLA to come coordinate Ohio State's offense and so Uh, You know, I I think it's a great move for Ohio State. And I think it's one that I I think should be a very natural transition. You know, obviously there's going to be that storyline a bit of the guy who used to be Ryan Day's boss is now working for Ryan Day. And what's that dynamic going to be like? But I also think they've worked together long enough that they... Are confident that's going to work. Like if Ryan, if Ryan Day really thought it would be awkward for Chip to come in and work for him, then he wouldn't make the move. So I think it tells you that obviously Ryan Day liked working for Chip Kelly. Obviously, they have remained very close since their time working together, since Chip coached him. And and I think some of it too is just where they're at in their careers right now. I mean, obviously Ryan Day is at a point in his career where he wants to be a head coach, and I think he, he's at a point now where he doesn't necessarily want to step back from offensive play calling, but he knows that that's what he needs to do in order to be the best head coach he can be. Whereas Chip, I think Chip's sick of being a head coach. I think Chip is sick <laughs> of dealing with the NIL and uh, transfer portal and, and some of the stuff that you have to deal with a head coach. I think he just wants to coach offensive football, And now chip has the opportunity to do that at a school where he's going to have as much offensive talent to work with as any team in the country.
2: Yeah, it's tough to win at UCLA. Uh, And uh, I think that, you know, after all this time, trying to get the ball rolling there and you know, he, he had success at Oregon obviously, but I, I think this, I think this was a move that made, uh, it was clear. Chip Kelly wanted out of UCLA was looking for other opportunities, was looking to maybe, like you said, step back into just being a coordinator again. And, and, running the offense and worrying about the scheme side of things. Let someone else deal with the headaches of being a head coach in the modern day of college football, and so that's the opportunity he gets, and now what Ryan Day has is that person he can trust. Jim Knowles on the defensive side, you know, we talked about this is an offensive head coach and a defensive head coach now almost, right? you you let Jim Knowles do that, he's earned your trust the last two seasons taking the defense to where it's gotten. I think Ryan feels as though he can almost completely delegate. You know, you're still going to oversee some things as the head coach, but completely delegate the defense to Jim almost. And now you can pretty much turn the offense over to Chip completely just in the weekly prep and the game planning when you need to step away. Obviously, you know, like Kyle said, it's still going to be a Ryan Day offense. Ryan's going to have his hand in things. Ryan's going to be in some of those meetings. But it's also just the fact that their schemes are so similar, are so, you know, based in some of the same concepts and chip influenced ryan in in evolving his offense you know from its earliest stages when they worked together previously when he coached ryan uh that you know it's almost like having a clone of ryan that you can play in a meeting room when it comes to an approach to the office um i do like uh to hear kyle say that chip is willing to run the same plays multiple times in a row when it's working i think that is something that like, if I had some small critiques of Day as a play caller, sometimes he goes away from certain concepts too early. It's it's okay to, like, even if a defense knows something is coming, sometimes, if you're a dominant enough with a certain play you can keep running it, you know? And so I liked liked that part of it. And then it makes it all the more effective when you do eventually run the play action or the screen that comes off of it. So I I think that this, you know, just again, all around news of the day, Chip Kelly, good hire for Ohio State.
0: Yeah, and I think to that point too, like, I mean, something his offense needs is a little bit just more of that killer instinct, I think, in big games. Like we know, Mm. you know, when they're at all cylinders, They can be the best offense in the country, but it feels like it felt like early on in Ryan Day's tenure. You know, you think back to some of those games, like the big win over Clemson, like it felt like earlier on in Ohio State's tenure in Ryan Day's tenure at Ohio State, there was more of that in terms of that just kind of killer instinct. And it feels like over the last few years, that's faded out a little bit. And I think part of that is just because it's not that Ryan Day isn't as capable as he's ever been of putting together a great offensive game plan. It's that his his hand is in so many different places that he can't possibly be as committed to putting together as the best offensive game plan that he would once could be. So to bring in someone with similar philosophies, because we really didn't know. I mean, I do think the flip side of that is I do think there would have been some upside in the idea of bringing in someone like Bill O'Brien, who does come from a different background, who would maybe bring a few more different ideas to the offense than what Ship might bring. At the same time, Ryan Day said last week when he was talking about Bill O'Brien that you know, this was still going to be Ohio State's offense. They're not going to let, they weren't never going to let a new offensive coordinator come in and completely rewrite the offense. As Kyle Jones said, this is still going to be Ryan Day's offense. There are going to be some different concepts, some different points of emphasis and play calling that we might see as a result of Chip Kelly now being the one calling the plays rather than Ryan day, but the overall offensive philosophy of his team is not going to change. And that's a good thing because before last year, well, every Ohio state offense under Ryan day had been elite. So they do not need someone to come in and completely change the scheme to reinvent the wheel. They just need someone to come in who can enhance it and make it better. And I think that's exactly what Chuck Kelly can do.
2: I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, I I think you know as we kind of wind down here, do want to get to the women's basketball team the success they're having too um you know it it goes it needs to be mentioned this is the number two team in the country right now and you know as much as the men's team has struggled we've said it before this is a team that i think ohio state fans can get behind and they're a very fun team to watch with that four-court press style uh you know you know dan what is what is impressing you about this uh, ohio state women's team right now and, and just the way they're winning these games
0: I think what's impressing me is they just seem to keep getting better and better, you know, and, and Kevin McGuff has said a lot of the same things, but when I think when you think back to last year, they started out so hot. I think they were like 18 and 0 or something like that. Then, you know, as the season went on, it was almost like they, they peaked too early. They hit their ceiling too early and they were still really good. And they were, I mean, they were great. And the NCAA tournament made a run to the elite eight, but You know, it felt like there was a point there in the second half of a regular season where they kind of plateaued, whereas this year's team just seems to be continuing to build, continuing to build and get better. I mean, you think back to this past week's weekend game against Michigan State, I think it ended up as like a 15 point win, but at one point. You know, they they were up by a massive margin. They they let their foot off a gas pedal in the fourth quarter. But you know, this is a Michigan State team that's a good team. Like their NCAA tournament mm-hmm. team, they gave Ohio State a tough game at home earlier in conference play. And then Ohio State went to East Lansing and trounced them. At one point, they were they had three of their starters out for the rest of the first half because Cody McMahon, Taylor Fury, and JC Sheldon all had three fouls. And Ohio State still continued to build on the lead and pull away, and so I think there's a lot to like about this Ohio State team right now. They have, you know, all five starters, those being J.C. Sheldon, Cody McMahon, Taylor Ferry, Celeste Taylor, Rebecca Mukulashkova. All of them can, you know, score 15 points on any given night. They 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 they're all good scores. They all add a lot of value in their own way in, in the starting lineup, and then I think. That, that depth is growing over the course of the year too where you know you know those five are you know their their core but you know they have players like ricky harris and madison green as she, you know she's getting more and more comfortable as she's coming back from her injury you know ebony walker's done some good things when she's gotten in there and so i i think it's a i think it's a well-rounded team right now but i think it's playing really well as a team and i mean you just just look at the stats i mean they they have the second longest winning streak of any power five team in women's basketball right now the only one that's longer is south carolina who hasn't lost a game all year and so certainly south carolina is the national championship favorite right now but this is an ohio state team that if it can finish strong over the next month it's put itself in position to be a number one seed in the NSA tournament of how well it's playing and you think about the possibility of being able to play in a Final Four in Cleveland this year in home state, you know, that would be really cool. You know, I know that I hope I get the opportunity to to, to cover that because you know it would be really cool to see Ohio State uh, play in the Final Four in its home state. And certainly, the way this season is building, it, it feels now like Ohio State is a very real contender to get to that point. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of really good teams in women's college basketball this year. And so even if they're a number one seed, they're going to, they're going to have some tough games. They have to win to get there, but they're, they're, they're playing at that level now where you can believe that, you know, a final four is a very real possibility for this team.
2: It's a testament to what Kevin McGuff has built. You know, we, we've talked about the upper echelon of Ohio State coaches, you know, even outside Ryan Day between Nadine Muzerol with the women's hockey team, what Ty Ryan, Tom Ryan's built with the wrestling team. I think you have to put Kevin McGuff in that conversation these days. And I think what's really impressed me this season about Kevin McGuff is his in-game coaching. I mean, the second half adjustments that Ohio State has made to come out and have they they have dominant third quarter after dominant third quarter in these games i mean it was what 26 to 7 against minnesota in the third like they take control of the third quarter and what is that that's Going in at halftime, evaluating what's lurking and coming up with a new game plan as a coach. I mean, they outfoxed Indiana in the third quarter of a really important game there. So, like, um, it's not just him, his program building, but particularly his in game coaching that has really impressed me this year, you know, as I've watched this team evolve as you have.
0: One other thing to talk about before we get out of here Ohio State added a transfer from Michigan. Joey Velasquez, a former Michigan linebacker, has transferred to Ohio State as a walk-on. Not the first time we've seen this. Uh, we saw uh, Justin Boren, of course, uh, became a really good guard for Ohio State after starting his career at, at Michigan. Uh, but it's still uh, it's it's one of those things. Any, anytime you hear about a player transferring uh, between those two schools with, with how much hatred there is, Uh, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, is, is certainly eye popping when you see it in this case, it makes a lot of sense. Joey Velasquez, he is a Columbus native. Uh, he was originally an Ohio state baseball commit, uh, and he did play baseball at Michigan, but he's only going to play football at Ohio state you know probably not a guy that's going to be an impact player for OSU but somebody who uh, I think is a good depth addition at linebacker they they needed a little bit more depth at linebacker and and Joey was a scholarship player at Michigan so I think this is a you know a good addition in terms of just adding depth on both you know linebacker and special teams and you know we'll see if he can earn any playing time but I don't think this is going to be the last time we see this either. I think with the, the, with the proliferation of the transfer portal, you know, it's been a long time before we've seen a player transfer from Ohio state to Michigan. At some point it's going to happen. Like at some point it's going to happen with just how much the transfer portal has exploded. At some point we're going to see it where an Ohio state player uh, goes to Michigan and they go from uh, being a Buckeye to being the enemy real quick. But uh, you know, this, you know, maybe this, maybe not the most high profile edition of it, but perhaps a sign of, of things to come and in, in, in the crazy transfer portal world we live in now.
2: Potentially, you never know with the transfer portal. It's actually funny because I went to school with uh, with Joey's sister, Ryan. Uh, she she went to Ohio State. She was about I think a year behind me, but she was also in the journalism program, or at least in some journalism classes with me. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure whether she was a journalism major or not as well, but uh, I did have some classes with her. We talked acquaintances, I guess you could say. I, I didn't know her that well, but it was uh, it's just just funny because you know, small world or whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, this isn't like a I don't think I don't, I don't expect him to have any sort of role in the defense this year. But it's always going to catch your eye when someone transfers from Michigan to Ohio State. And you know, you never know in, in this wacky world of the transfer portal. Maybe Ohio State does land an actual key contributor again from Michigan, as it did before, and you know, back in the day there. Um, again, sometime in the future, I, you know, it's it's hard to anticipate that. It, uh, just you know, when the Lines of the rivalry cross you know it it's uh makes for some interesting discussion, raises your eyebrows a little bit, just uh you know yeah something something interesting to to point to I don't know if there's there's too much more on it, just uh yeah, just a weird th- just a weird thing to see someone cross the lines like that well, we are just
0: three weeks away from spring football at Ohio State, so it is coming up on us ever closer. Uh, for the Buckeyes to be back on the football field, of course, uh, we're in the thick of uh, the end of the basketball regular season, uh, and we will see uh, what else continues to happen. It's been a crazy offseason. You know, you, you never know uh, what, what's going to happen uh, nowadays in, in the college football offseason. So uh, we will have plenty more uh, to talk about next week, whatever that might be, and we hope you'll join us then.